Hello, and welcome to the 33rd episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I am Melissa. (laughs) How you doing, babe? Doing good. Are you? We are back. It is Thanksgiving week. It is. I've been saving up and starving myself so that I can eat. No, you haven't. No, I haven't. No. Actually, we've been gorging ourselves in order to make our stomachs bigger. Right. So that we can have a more like an intake of more food. I've read that's what you're supposed to do. I've read that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So I completely forgot to do a shout out to one of our 11 listeners last week. So I apologize. I apologize too on her behalf. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let me pull up. Shoot. Let's see. All right. All right. So this is on Apple Podcast and it's titled Just Discovered. And this is from M-M-S-C-H-I-A-N. Okay. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But anyways, they said, I just discovered this podcast and really enjoy it. I've listened to all their episodes in two days. Oh, my gosh. Good humor on dark subject matter. Yeah. Did I say matter weird? Matter? Yeah. Okay. Good humor on dark subject matter. Yep. Okay. But this was all the way back in July. Oh, okay. So I think we only had probably two weeks worth of episodes. So you can do two weeks in two days for sure. But I really hope this person is still listening. Yeah, hopefully. I hope we haven't driven them away. With our dark subject matter. Yes. But thank you so much for your rate and review. It helps us out so much. Yes. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. All right, babe. Babe. Yeah. (laughs) I was waiting for you to say something. Do you got some factoids for me? I do. I'm going to talk about food. Because oh. it's Thanksgiving. Yay. So I know it's probably boring. It's There's no... It's not boring. Food is not boring. That's true. And for those of you listening that aren't in the United States, you probably wonder like if Americans ever stop eating. And we don't. No. But there are certain times of the year where we eat even more. Right. And this is one of them. It's called Thanksgiving. It's a food challenge. So anyway, real quick, it looks like number one side dish was mashed potatoes. Yes. Do you concur with that? Mashed potatoes? Yeah. Is that your favorite side dish? Is that the thing it you're is, most looking forward to? It is if it's made from real mashed potatoes, not out of the box. Okay. You should never do Thanksgiving mashed potatoes out of a box like my sweet grandmother oh, used like to do. like powdered potatoes? Yeah. yeah. That doesn't sound good I didn't all. realize until I married you or until we were dating that mashed potatoes were actually made from real mashed potatoes. <laughs> Or, I mean, real potatoes. Yes, they usually, that's what they're supposed to be. Right. I didn't realize, and granted, I was 23. I should have known this by then, that mashed potatoes were made from potatoes and not flakes from a box. Yeah, that's disgusting. So anyway, yeah, most states chose mashed potatoes. It was pretty closely tied with stuffing, or some people call it um, dressing. 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 That's kind of my favorite. Like if there was nothing else, I want turkey, stuffing, and gravy in that that's what I want on the plate. And then everything else around that. And then it just keeps continuing on to multiple plates. 
Okay, but the stuffing cannot come out of the butt of the bird. Or the crotch. Okay, I'm going with I guess butt. that's the same part. <laughs> I do not like eating stuffing that I know has But that's been where all the flavor comes from. A turkey. I just keep thinking of salmonella. Well then, yeah, if it's not cooked completely. I know, but there's something about it that just grosses me out. Yeah. Sometimes what I'll do is once the turkey's done, I'll take the stuffing out and then you throw it back in the oven, put a little crust on it, cook it a little more, and then it's good. Yeah, a little but, salmonella crust on it. Yeah. So far, I've never gotten salmonella and I eat I know the butt stuffing all the time. It just doesn't taste good to me. I don't know if all it's right. psychosomatic. I don't know what it is, but I cannot eat stuffing that comes out of the turkey's butt. So this is not as typical, but stuffed mushrooms... And I love stuffed mushrooms, so that is one of my main things that I would love to have during Thanksgiving. You make really good and deviled mushrooms. eggs. So. Yes. What is it about deviled eggs at I Thanksgiving? Don't know. Just they good. just they taste better than even at Easter time. Yeah. Okay. Here's one that I really wish we could start doing, and this is God bless them, Kentucky and Tennessee. Number one favorite side dish is hash brown casserole. That just sounds like breakfast. No. It's potatoes. Well, I guess it could be. But then you have two potato side dishes. They make it at, um, what's the name of that fat people restaurant that our friends like to go to? The, um, um, Cracker Barrel. Oh, Cracker Barrel. Yeah. So if you look it up, <laughs> if you put in hash brown casserole, Cracker Barrel pops up, which ought to tell you something about hash brown casserole. It's covered in cheese. <laughs> it's just, you'll have a stroke, but at least you'll be smiling when you die. Okay, well, I'll look up the mess, blah, the recipe, and maybe I'll make it for you. Least favorite side dish. What do you think it is? Number one. <gasps> cranberry sauce. Absolutely oh, is. Oh, see, I Absolutely. love cranberry sauce. I love cranberry sauce on my turkey. Yes, definitely. Which doesn't make sense. It's the sweet and salty. So I think it's fantastic. But yes. um, number one, hands down, people hate cranberry sauce. Um, second, which is my absolute least favorite, is candied yams, nope. candied... Anything no. is just horrible. Can't I don't do get it. it. Um, no, my mom loves or sweet potato casserole. <sighs> no, no, I do. There is someone that makes a sweet potato casserole, but I eat it more as a dessert, and they put like walnuts on top of it. Why don't somebody you just makes put it that. on something that's good <laughs> instead of wasting all that good stuff on the sweet potato anyway. Oh, yeah. Someone that I know makes a really good sweet potato casserole. Number two least favorite was green bean casserole. And I'm kind of with them. I'm not a big fan. I love I know green you do, but I don't, I'm not. I'm, I'll, if there's nothing else, I might put a little on my plate. It but. has to be doctored up, though. It has to have sour cream. Which ought to tell you something. No, no, no. Don't do the recipe that's on the fried onions packaging. No. You need to do the recipe that you can find on Pinterest, which is like... Half and half, sour cream, cheddar cheese. It's just all this yummy dairy. You should do a cooking show. No, I'm a horrible cook, oh. but for some reason, I can do Thanksgiving side dishes. There you go. Like Paula Deen. Number four, pumpkin pie. That's, is that a side dish? It's a thing that people don't like at Thanksgiving. Pumpkin pie? I know. Okay. That's, That's weird, weird to me. It is kind of weird. Um, Some of them are turkey. Was like number five, which doesn't really make sense because wow. that's the number one main dish that people choose. Some people don't like turkey. Yeah. I don't like smoked turkey. 
It depends on how it's cooked. I, I love deep deep fried turkey. Hands down, the best turkey. The best. Absolutely. There's no other way to do it. No, no other way to do it. And but it's burn a pain in the ass. House. And you get no, you won't burn I down said, your house. I said as you were saying pain in the ass, I was saying house, and then I said has. Pain in the has. <laughs> yes. Some people say house, they say has. Yeah. Come into my house. It is a pain in the butt to do a deep fried turkey. It's just turkey. a lot. I was literally at the store today buying stuff. And just the oil alone is 50 bucks just for the three gallons of oil. I'm like, what, what do I, that's cheap. too much oil. We're so cheap. No, but to do one turkey. Oh, yeah. It just seems like a waste. The oil's more expensive than the bird. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, coleslaw, is a, is it listed as a side dish for Thanksgiving? I've never heard of that and it's gross. Unless you're Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, I was going to say, I have, heard, I have heard that people go to Kentucky Fried Chicken for Thanksgiving. Oh, maybe that's why. Yeah. To have Kentucky Fried Turkey? No. Because I'd be all over that. Kentucky Fried Turkey. You should try to do Kentucky Fried Turkey. Or California Fried Turkey? No. California. That'd be tofu. Yeah. Tofurkey. The old. Do you remember that when that was a big thing in California? The old CFT. You yeah. guys want to come over for some CFT? Yeah. What's, California fried turkey. So our friend from Louisiana, she did a turkey stuffed with a chicken, stuffed with a duck. Yes, a turducken. A turducken. We did a fantastic. turducken one year. Yes, they're fantastic. That was actually really good. But for like a little tiny piece of meat. It's expensive. It was like yeah. $100. Yeah, it's expensive. Man, we're bougie but cheap. Do you realize that? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm very picky, but I'm also very cheap. So I'm just a walking enigma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking we could do like an ostrich stuffed with a turkey stuffed with a chicken stuffed with like a dove. An ostrich? Aren't, stuffed with a, I don't know. Just start <laughs> the whole the whole bird line of birds all the way down. That would be ridiculous. Aren't ostriches endangered species? They are here, but not in Australia. Ostriches are not in Australia. You're Where, thinking of kangaroos. No, not kangaroos. Where's ostriches? <laughs> oh, jeez. Every time I picture an ostrich, I think of... <laughs> you know what I'm thinking of. What's that Disney movie where he rides an ostrich? Swiss Family oh, Robinson. Oh, yeah, Swiss Family Robinson. Yes. Yeah, they're from um, mm-hmm. a tropical island. Yes. No. Oh All gosh! Right. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So is anything that else? It? Is there any other food you want that you can't think of? What about pecan pie? I love pecan pie. Is it pecan or pecan? It's pecan. <laughs> pecan. You know what a pecan is? No. It's what stays in your kitchen that you never eat because peas are gross. Oh, a pecan. Oh. I guess. Right. Yeah. Did you just make that up? That's pretty good. Kind of. It's what truckers use on long drives. A pea can. Yeah, and then they toss it. It's a pea like, bottle. That's a, pea, a bottle. pea bottle. Money. Yes. Well, what if they have a can? <laughs> do what you got to do. All right, babe. That was great. All right, that's enough. Now I'm hungry. You know, guys don't want to hear about food anymore. No, they're over it. No. You want to hear about murder. Murder. All right. All right. Thanks, babe. That was fun. Oh, you're welcome. All right, Daniel. Yep. Lay it all over me. (laughs) You ready for my case? I'm ready. All right. This is a case of Cork and Lucille Miller. Nice. Cork. Mm -hmm. That's different. It's a nickname. 
We'll get yeah. into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. He tends to pop off. <laughs> no? All right. I'll stop. On October 8th, 1964, around 1.45 in the morning, police had been called to a rural farmhouse off a dark and windy mountain road at the base of the San Bernardino Mountains called Banyan Street in Alta Loma, California, 60 miles east of Los Angeles. The owner of the farm had reported that a woman had been pounding on her front door around 1.30 a.m., screaming for help. Uh-oh. After letting her in, the homeowner noticed that the hysterical woman was dirty and smudged and smelled of burnt hair. The woman began saying, He's all burnt. What do I say to the kids? What do I tell them? There can't be a casket. There's no person. What? Finally, the homeowner calmed the frantic woman enough to get the location of the fire and called the fire department. The woman also asked the homeowner to call her lawyer. Oh, jeez. As the fire department hurried to the scene, police hurried to the residence and with a little coaxing, learned that the soot-smudged woman was 35-year-old Lucille Miller and that she and her husband were involved in an auto accident and that the car had burst into flames. Police told Lucille and her lawyer, who had already arrived at the farm, to take them to the scene of the crash. As the police cruiser rounded a bend, they saw a vehicle engulfed in flames. The 1964 black Volkswagen Beetle was off to the right on the shoulder of the dark and desolate road, surrounded on both sides by orange groves. Firefighters had begun putting the fire out. As they made their way to the passenger side of the Volkswagen, they made a grisly discovery. A body so badly burned that it was black and unrecognizable. But everyone on scene knew who it was. 39-year-old Dr. Gordon Miller, who everyone called Cork. The local dentist, father of three, and Lucille's husband. Oh, man. That is a horrible way to die. Awful. Lucille was questioned at the accident scene. Lucille told investigators that Cork had been suffering from one of his migraines that night. At around 11.30 p.m., he had asked her to make him some hot chocolate. Lucille realized that there was only a little bit of milk left, not enough for the kids to have their cereal in the morning or Cork to have his hot chocolate. Lucille grabbed her car keys to run to the store to pick up some more milk. Cork did not want her to go alone so late at night that he offered to go with Lucille. Being only a 10-mile round trip, they were not worried about leaving the three kids alone and sleeping. Cork grabbed his pillow and a blanket, and the couple made their way into the car. Lucille in the driver's seat, and Cork in the passenger's side. Cork propped the pillow up on the window and laid his head on it. Lucille reached over and locked the door, afraid that with his body weight against the passenger door, it might pop open if not locked. Earlier that day, Cork had hit a dog on his way home, and it had taken out one of the headlights. So she was driving around with only one headlight. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. It's the winking bug. Yes. The first store they went to was closed for the evening. Lucille decided to then drive across town to a second store called Mayfair Market that was open 24 hours a day. Lucille bought two cartons of milk. Cork was sound asleep as they headed home, taking the dark and windy Banyan Street. 
As Lucille was rounding a bend, she felt the vehicle pull to the right. She was doing around 35 miles per hour. She was able to gain control and pull off onto the shoulder and stop the car before it went over a small embankment and down into an orchard. The Volkswagen immediately caught fire. She had no idea where the flames were or where they had started. That sounded weird when I said started, huh? Started. She had no idea where the flames were or where they had started. Lucille jumped out of the car and screamed for Cork to wake up and get out of the car. He didn't budge. Lucille ran around to the passenger side and tried to open the door, but it was locked. By this time, the fire had spread to the blanket covering Cork. Lucille found a big rock and smashed the back passenger window, but it was too hot to put her hand inside the window to unlock the passenger door. Lucille happened to find a large branch and began trying to push Cork awake and out of the car using the branch, but Cork outweighed Lucille by about 50 pounds. Unable to arouse Cork, Lucille began running down Banyan Street trying to find a house in the rural area, finally coming upon the farm a half a mile away and getting help. How, how the hell does he stay asleep through that? That's a huge question. That's crazy. I know. Unless he took like sleeping pills or something. Well, we'll get or there. somehow. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, that's rough. I know. And... I say rough a lot, but that's because I don't know what else, how else to describe it. I know. Or wow. I'm never saying wow again. <laughs> yeah. Although I just did. Okay, that was the last time I'll say... Stop. That. No, just be yourself. Be yourself. All right. Be yourself. <laughs> Talk about the milk jugs. <laughs> All right. I need a drink of water. All the evidence the investigators were finding at the scene were corroborating with Lucille's account. They found two milk jugs in their upright position in the back seat, a large rock on the back seat under the smashed window, a four-foot-long, partially burned branch lying near the smoldering vehicle, skid marks on the road and into the gravel on the shoulder, the wheels of the vehicle were turned to the right, and a nail was found in the front right tire. Oh, that would explain it. At 6 a.m., Lucille was taken home and had to tell she and Quirk's three children, who were 14, 11, and 9, that their father had died in a tragic accident. Oh, I can't even imagine. See, and we have almost fourteen and an eleven-year-old. Oh, that's Could true. Could you imagine? No, you coming home and be like, no, daddy's mm -mm. gone. Nope, I don't ever want to do that ever. Mm -mm. He had his final barbecue. Daniel, <laughs> go ahead. Gordon Miller, aka Cork, was born in 1925. He was the youngest of three children. Growing up, it was a well-known fact that his family expected he and his siblings to become doctors of some kind. If you did not have doctor in front of your name, that meant that you were not successful. That's the general understanding. Mm -hmm. Court grew up in a strict Seventh-day Adventist home, and since he was a young boy, had always had aspirations of becoming a pilot but knew that his family would never approve, so he decided to follow in his older brother's footsteps and become a dentist. Nice. In 1945, Court graduated from Walla Walla College in College Place, Washington. 
Perfect. Right after graduation, he was accepted into an accelerated dental program at the University of Oregon. Go Beavers. Go Beavers. Only the smartest and brightest were accepted into this program. In 1946, by the age of 21, Cork was a practicing dentist. Dang, that's Yeah, long. I know. He was really a Usually smart you guy. don't run into dentists where they actually start their practice till they're like almost 40, like right. in their thirty, late, mid, late 30s. Right. Because it takes forever, costs millions of dollars just yeah. to finish dental school, it seems like. <laughs> and then you can't retire till you're 75 because you're still paying off your student right. loans. Oh, but you know what, dentists, we couldn't do it without you. Nope. Not well, we could, but we don't. We not. We wouldn't have teeth. It would just be all lips. Oh, it would be awful. Thank you, dentist, yeah, for thanks. having tons of student loan debt, but for keeping us with our teeth. Yep. Amen. Right. Okay. In 1949, 24-year-old Cork met 19-year-old Lucille Maxwell while he was stationed at Fort Lewis as a medical officer in Tacoma, Washington. I believe they had been set up by a mutual friend or family member. There wasn't a ton of information on their childhoods or when they met, but this is kind of what I was able to gather. Okay. Before meeting, Cork had sent Lucille a dozen roses with a card that read, even if you do not go on a date with me, hopefully you'll at least find the roses pretty. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that sweet? Lucille went on a date with him. There you go. I would have too, for sure. I don't really like flowers, but I totally would have gone on a date with him. I had a friend whose dad gave his mom a card yeah. and it read, roses are red, violets are fine. If you show me yours, I'll show you mine. <laughs> it's probably that's probably awesome. similar. That's, how, that's what he should have started with. Why haven't you ever sent me a card like that? They don't have them at the grocery store. No, you just write it on a piece I can't of paper. That's that. a lot of work. That's romantic. All right, I'll I'll try and remember that. Lucille Maxwell was born on January seventeenth, nineteen thirty, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Ao. Is that what they say? Ao. I don't know. A. O. I think it's just A. I love Canada, even though I've never been, but I am kind of obsessed with it's beautiful. Canadians. I know. And Canada, you guys have totally embraced us, and we are so thankful. I hear wintertime is the best time to go, too. Yes. Someday we'll go to Canada and meet our 11 listeners from Canada. Yes. That would absolutely. be fun. Okay. Maybe on a cruise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lucille was the only child of two teachers. Her family was also strict Seventh-day Adventist. I think that's how Cork... And Lucille met. Probably. I would imagine so. Right. Is through a friend in the church or family in the church. I, it never said that, but that's yeah. kind of what I'm If you're gathering. strict anything and they you're both the same, that would be very unusual to not meet any other way. Yes. Because you're kind of almost set up in within the church right. family. At 18, Lucille had enrolled in Walla Walla College and moved to Washington. Cork and Lucille were married only a few months after meeting in 1949. Cork finished his army duty soon after the wedding, and the newlyweds moved to Guam for less than a year. Oh, cool. They moved back to the States just in time to give birth to their first child, a daughter. The couple set up residence in Oregon, where Cork opened his first private practice. Three years later, Lucille gave birth to their second child, a boy, 
And two years later, they welcomed another son. Nice. In 1957, the Millers moved to Southern California. Cork began telling friends and family that he wanted to go to medical school in California, but he ended up opening another private dental practice. Oh, boy. Cork began building a stellar reputation for himself and soon began making good money. After a few years, he was bringing in between $25,000 and $30,000 a year, which is about $200,000 now. Sure. But there was a problem. There always is. Even with the larger amounts of money coming in, the couple was living above their means. Yep. Lucille always trying to keep up with their friends who were higher up on the social ladder than they were. Lucille fit in very well with their new A-list circles. She was an extrovert and loved being the center of attention. Lucille being very socially ambitious. Where Cork was an introvert and not social. Almost lacking joy and warmth. But see, that's the yin and yang of it. That's true. So she fills his empty bucket, so to speak. She fills she fills it with social engagements. Right. And he depletes hers. And he <laughs> with his sucks, lacking of joy sucks and warmth. it out of her. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But her teeth look nice. I bet they looked amazing. See, so there's it's a trade off. Mm-hmm. During the summer of 1964, the Millers built a brand new house further up the San Bernardino Mountains outside of Alta Loma. The higher up the mountain, the wealthier you are. Did you know that? I guess so. (laughs) Although you get too high up, then it's kind of remote. Right. Well, and what's that stretch of mountains that are like... In Southern California? No, in like Alabama. Oh, or like the Smoky Mountains. No, there's the Appalachian. The Appalachian. Which is beautiful, but it's very, very poor. Yes. And And they're like further up the mountain, but the poor the poor you are, the further up the mountain you are. Yeah. But because it's harder and harder to get to. That's true. That's that's actually typical until you get down to Southern California. Right. And then Southern California, the further up the mountain you go, the richer you are. I guess so. Is that what it is? For this story, I've never lived up a for mountain. For this story, it is. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cork struggled with the responsibilities of being a husband, father, and the sole provider, especially going day in and day out to a job that he hated. He hated being a dentist. I would have much rather been a pilot. Yeah. When I grow would... up, I want to be a pilot. <laughs> And he would tell people that the money is not worth putting your hand inside of somebody's nasty Heck, mouth. You could not pay me enough nope. to do that. No. Nope. And to do it today for 200 grand a year is no way. That seems low. It does, doesn't it? It's yeah. got to be more. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're doing. Obviously, if you specialize in something and you do other things, I'm sure they make right. w- way more than that now. Like caps. Like people putting those fake teeth on... Yeah, like, okay, so our dentist, who's an amazing dentist, he yes. does all in-house. He has the machines that build the teeth right. on the spot so he right. can do everything. So obviously doing that, you're going to make a ton more money, but that That's takes true. more investment, yada, yada, yada. Continue. Okay. <laughs> it began to weigh on cork heavily. He began having migraines more frequently and experiencing bouts of what we now know as depression. The Miller's marriage began to suffer. Lucille even filing for divorce in July of 1964. Cork moved out for a few weeks. Come August, Cork and Lucille were giving their marriage another try. Cool. Yeah. 
and I'll get into it. All right. After Lucille had been driven home, investigators took a closer look at the scene in the light of day and noticed some things looked a bit different. How were those milk jugs still in an upright position? Good question. Well, was the bug on its side? No. Oh. But she was going at 35 miles per hour and she slammed on her brakes, right? And kind oh, of, yeah. yeah. They'd be all over so the place. When they, yes, that's what they were thinking. Yeah. All right. It, they're just sitting there loose on the seat? Yes. Oh, gosh, no. Okay. No. Why was there a gas can toppled over lying on the back seat? That's a very good question. I could not find any information as to whether or not the gas can was empty. Oh. Okay. It's an odd thing to have on the seat next to your milk jugs. Right. The Volkswagen skid marks were straight and short, not in a swerve pattern like they should have been. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And why was the car still in first gear if she was traveling at 35 miles per hour? She could have downshifted. Well, she was going uphill. Um, I don't drive a stick, so... Yeah, a bug isn't going to go 35 in first gear. Not up a hill. It might go up a hill at 15 miles an hour in first <laughs> gear, because they're not exactly hot rods. Investigators had too many unanswered questions and decided they needed to interview Lucille again that same day. She told investigators that the car was only a couple months old. Lucille and her daughter had been in a horrible car accident four months before. Guess what windy road they were on? What? Banyan Street. That's the same street. It's the same street. Oh, my gosh. Another car had run a stop sign and slammed into Lucille's vehicle. Lucille walked away with a broken jaw, and their daughter went through the windshield, and she required 50 stitches in her face. What? I know. Poor baby. And she was only 14. Oh, God. And she was on her way to get her hair done for her eighth grade graduation because she was giving a speech. Oh, geez. I know. That's sad. Poor thing. Lucille also explained that she was bad at maintaining a vehicle. <laughs> Lucille had a habit of letting her cars run out of gas and that Cork had purchased the gas can so that Lucille would never run out of gas again. Okay, that's plausible, right. I guess. When asked why she was driving in first gear if she was going 35 miles per hour up a hill, she answered, well, what gear are you supposed to be in? <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of what I would ask. I, um, I would have asked I would that. S- see, for me, because I drive a stick, I, I don't know. It depends on how steep the hill is. Okay. Depends on a lot. The car. Depends on the car. Yeah. She also told investigators that they had been having a bad year. A close friend of hers, Mrs. Elaine Hayton, had passed away earlier that year as well. So they were having a bad year. Okay. Like they got in a car accident. They were almost divorced. She kept running out of gas. Yeah, the gas thing would be a real downer. That is a real downer, isn't it? Yeah. Their friend died. Friend died. Yeah. Investigators at the scene began putting together their own puzzle pieces and were shown a rather different picture than the one Lucille had shown them. They came to the conclusion that Lucille had murdered her husband, Cork. I knew it. Like immediately, within hours, they came to this conclusion. Investigators believed that Lucille had drugged Cork with his own sedatives 
to put him into unconsciousness. Drove him out to the middle of nowhere after purchasing the milk. Used the gas in the newly purchased gas can to douse the car with accelerant and tried to push the metal Volkswagen over the embankment and down into an orange grove, hoping the car would catch fire on its own, but the car was too heavy for her to push alone. A 1964 Volkswagen Beetle weighs 1,600 pounds, by the way. That's not very heavy. That's not heavy? No. Okay, a woman- For a car? Okay, a woman that weighs 100 pounds, could she push a 1,600 pound of metal over an embankment? Um, It depends. If there's stuff in the way, probably not. But if it's just flat, heck yeah. 1,600 pounds sounds like a lot. Not if it's on wheels. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go out it depends. and try on we our need, car. Yeah, we need to try and push your car. Okay, so my car is a Suburban. How much does a Suburban weigh? Give or take, they're around 6,000 pounds. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, it's not light. I wasn't thinking it was light. No. <laughs> Lucille panicked and decided to grab a branch and use it as a torch. She then lit the accelerant on fire and watched her husband burn to death. Then ran down the road and called for help. Lucille was arrested for murder 12 hours after Cork had died. Oh, my gosh. These poor children. They have three kids who lost a dad and their mom goes to jail all within 12 hours. Why didn't she just divorce him? Okay. Like I ask in every single one of these cases. I'll stop asking it because it's kind of obvious. No, but it's true. Wow. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to say Wow. Um, Will you stop? I'm just kidding. Giving yourself a complex. Okay. As Lucille Miller was booked for murder, police began questioning their friends and family about the Miller's marriage. They learned some very interesting details. The couple was actually in debt over $64,000, which today comes out to half a million dollars. Okay. What kind of debt? Um, Lucille liked to spend money. Oh, that's the bad And kind. the new house was more than they could afford. Yep. Yeah. Cork had a history of depression and suicidal thoughts and was medicating with sedatives and barbiturates that he was self that he was self-prescribing. Depression was not widely talked about in the 60s. It was more like just get over it. No, you drink. You drink or take pills, I guess. Which would make you depressed, so that would make you drink. Yeah. Cork had told his family that he wanted to exit life, but who would provide for them when he was gone? If he made it look like a car accident, the double indemnity clause on his life insurance would come into play, and Lucille would receive double the payment, $123,000, over a million dollars today. So this is what he's telling friends and family. So he kind of wants... To die. Yes. He's suicidal suicidal. and depressed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, their daughter even remembering a situation where her mother and father were arguing a few months before Cork died. And Lucille came into the dining room while she was doing homework and told her to grab the key, the car keys and take them in her room and lock the door and do not come out. Oh, man. She's 14. Yeah. Cork's receptionist at his dental practice told investigators that Lucille was having an affair with the husband of her close friend who had recently passed away, Elaine Hayton. Oh, ouch. Yeah, his name was Arthwell Hayton. Arthwell. Arthwell. Uncle Art 
to the Miller children. No, that's not good. <laughs> Arthwell was a prominent attorney in San Bernardino. Lucille was very forthcoming with the affair information to police. She told them that Cork knew all about the affair and that it had been over for more than six months. The couple had worked through it and gone to marriage counseling. They even had discussed having another baby to bring them closer together. Don't do it. You know, because that always works. Always not. <laughs> well, it did work. At least the getting pregnant part. Lucille was expecting their fourth child. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Three months after Cork's death, Lucille was on trial for first-degree murder. The prosecution used Art's breakup with Lucille as her motive to murder Cork. That Lucille was infatuated with Arthwell and blamed Cork for the breakup. Art was affectionate, complimentary, funny, had money, and enjoyed life. Everything Cork was not. Oh, man. If Cork was out of the picture, then she and Art could be together and Lucille could finally have the life that she always wanted. Lucille planned Cork's murder by faking an accident and burning him to death. Man. Even purchasing the gas and the gas can only a couple days before to use as the fire accelerant, which means that it was premeditated. Cork, that is not nice. No. <laughs> Cork's autopsy, even stating that he had high level levels of sedatives in his system. The prosecution leaked the story of Arthwell's wife, Elaine's death. Lucille was the last person to have been with Elaine the night before she passed away. Elaine had been ill, and Art had taken his boat to Catalina for the night, and Lucille was taking care of her. The next morning, April 24th, 1964, Elaine was dead. That seems highly suspicious. The press ran with the story, and it was front page news in all the papers in the country. Popular opinion was that Lucille Miller was a murderer of not only her husband, but her lover's wife as well. Boom. And she died in the same way that Candy Mossler died. Do you remember the woman who was sleeping with her nephew? Yes. And they found her right. face down on her pillows because she had almost taken an overdose of sedatives and she couldn't move her face right, to breathe. Right. That's how Elaine died. Oh, man. With her face stuffed in a pillow. Yeah. Jeez. The defense stuck to Lucille's original story, never wavering. Lucille and Cork went to the store to get milk. Cork fell asleep in the car. V the vehicle veered off the road and caught on fire. Lucille could not awaken Cork because of the sedatives he had taken to rid himself of the migraine, and he died. The defense did not shy away from talking about Lucille's spending habits and the affair, but stated that the breakup was mutual. The defense also brought in an arson expert who testified that he believed the fuel line had a small hole and it had been dripping onto the carburetor, causing it to explode. That would also explain why the Volkswagen continually ran out of fuel. But this wasn't like an old Volkswagen, like today, if I bought an old bug. This was 1964, so the engine was in the back. Yeah, but this was a new vehicle. This was a brand new vehicle. Yeah. Right. So. Th but even though it was a brand new vehicle, 
it had a flaw. It was, was an old. Wrong. I mean, it was old to our standards today. Right. But would, okay, okay, you're a car guy. Yeah. Would fuel dripping on the carburetor cause it to explode? Absolutely, it would. Oh, well, if there it, you go. Yeah, if it, if it accumulated enough in the fumes and then the exhaust is right there. Right. If it um, kept dripping, like if it was a flaw in the engine and ever since they had it, it would drip a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. It yeah, would if there's fuel all over it, eventually something there was a spark or whatever. when you smell it though, yeah, when you, you smell the fuel yes. burning, no, you would smell fuel. You would smell fuel. Yeah, and then once it lit, all hell would break loose. Okay. So in a bug, the fuel tanks in the front, and then the engines in the back. Wait, there's what? A, in a bug, in a Volkswagen bug. This the, is a Beetle. Is it the same thing as a bug? Yes, that's what it's called, Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> Like we call, everyone calls them Okay, bugs. wait, wait, wait. So the fuel is not in the back, the fuel's in the front. Yes. The front is actually the trunk. Right. So but there's, the, under so there's, the hood, that's really the trunk, and that's where the fuel tank is, and then the engine's in the back. Okay. So how would it drip onto the carburetor? Because that's where the fuel line is going into the carburetor, which sits on top of the motor. Okay, so the fuel line goes from the front of the car in the gas tank all the way to Correct. the back. Yep, into... and there's a fuel pump. And back okay. then it would have been mechanical, not electric. Okay. And so as long as the engine's running, it's pumping fuel. So it's sucking fuel out of the tank, feeding fuel into the carburetor. Okay. Which is on top of the motor. And those little motors, they have little carburetors. And yeah, it's it's okay. totally possible. Okay. Well, I knew but I knew this was the right case to ask you. But. What? It would take a, quite a while for that thing to burn because that motor is very, it's in the back all by itself. Mm-hmm. So it would be weird that the whole car would burst into flames. It would take a while yeah, for. And that, yeah, and it wouldn't, it would take a lot for the fuel to drip and then for the flame to travel to the front and ignite. I mean, there's nothing there. So this, they're all wouldn't metal. Have, this wouldn't have taken minutes. This would have taken I think hours. it would have taken a while. Yeah. Okay. And besides, it's her saying that she didn't have time to get him out. Right. It would have been a little fire in the back with the motor totally separate. Because she's saying that the fire spread so quickly that even after she broke the window, she couldn't reach her hand into the car because it was too hot to unlock no. the door to get him out. No. And bugs, a 64 bug is all metal. It's very little plastic. Unlike new cars today, when they catch fire, they go up like crazy because they're all plastic. Oh, Okay. But old cars, I mean, they're mostly metal, so it takes a lot longer for stuff to ignite. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the metal's thicker, and I mean, it's just different. All right. So you're so smart. I don't know. I'm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she poured gas all over it. That's the only there way the whole. To that's be an the only way that whole thing could be bursting into flame. Yeah. Is that there needed to be an accelerant all over the car? Yeah. To catch fire. Okay, that's what I was thinking. All right. On March 5th, 1965, Lucille Miller was found guilty of the murder of her husband, Cork Miller, and sentenced to life in prison. Lucille nice. left prison to give birth to their daughter and then returned. Oh, jeez. She and Cork's three children were taken in and cared for by her defense attorney and his family. This guy believed so much that she was innocent that he kept appealing her case. Okay. Over and over and over again, he kept appealing it. So, oh. yeah. In 1972, 42-year-old Lucille was released on parole after serving only seven years. Lucille went on to have a quiet life and maintained her innocence till her death 
on November 4th, 1986. Lucille died from natural causes at 56 years old. It is believed she changed her name after she was released from prison. Huh. She died young of natural causes. 56 is young. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be natural, but it's kind of short. Right. And she only served seven years. Huh. Of a life sentence. That's a very short life sentence. Right. Seven years. So one of her attorneys for her last appeal was F. Lee Bailey, who was also an attorney for the O.J. Simpson trial. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. One of his defense attorneys, F. Lee Bailey, the old guy that always looked like he was going to fall asleep. <laughs> well, it happens. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Huh. There are three scenarios that could have happened. Okay. All right. Scenario one. It happened exactly as Lucille had said it had. It was an accident caused by a nail in a leaky fuel line. Cork's death was a tragic accident, and Lucille was in prison for a murder she never committed. Scenario two. Lucille planned this elaborate and very detailed scene of an accident to murder her unsuspecting husband, all to be with a man who didn't want her. Wait, did I miss something? He didn't want her? The, uh, the husband of the... Well, she said that it was a mutual breakup, and he said that it wasn't. Gotcha. I guess, did I miss that part? I must not have written that part out. He was a witness for the prosecution and said that she was kind of obsessed with him oh. and that he broke up with her, but she says that it was a mutual breakup. Gotcha. I okay. must have forgotten to write that down. I apologize. It's all right. Okay, so this was all to be with a man who actually didn't want to be with her. Okay. Scenario three, Cork planned his own death. He did not want to leave Lucille and the children destitute, so he planned his death to look like a horrible accident so Lucille would get double the life insurance policy. But he couldn't have done this on his own, his accomplice being that of Lucille. Cork had talked her into helping him die. They both got in the car and Cork took a heavy dose of sedatives. Lucille drove to get the milk to hopefully have eyewitnesses and then drove the beetle to a desolate spot off the dark and rural road. Lucille poured the gas all over the vehicle and staged the car to look like she had tried to help him, breaking the window and finding a long branch, then lit the car on fire, possibly using the branch as a torch. Okay. So hypothetically, tomorrow... Mm -hmm. Um, or after Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. I say, you know what? I'm super depressed and I really want to die, but I have a massive life insurance policy. And so I need you to burn me alive (laughs) in a car and you're going (laughs) to help me do this. And we've been fighting and I'm now you're not attracted to me anymore and I'm annoying. (laughs) You'd be like, yeah, you know, that seems like the most logical way to do it. Yes. Let's do that. No. I would not help you murder yourself. I mean, would you help me burn myself? Would Would you help light me on fire and then watch me? No. God, no. As you're pregnant. No. No, it doesn't seem. That's a horrible way to die. None of that. That doesn't seem plausible either. The whole stick thing. Right. Her trying to help him out with a stick. I don't get that at all. Well, it was a branch from one of the trees. I'm sorry. Okay. So it looked like a torch. The top of it, probably the first like six inches of it were burnt like a torch. So. Okay. So I myself would not help you die. No. I just couldn't do that. 
But you also don't hate your life. No, but I would hope you would just divorce me and leave me destitute, broke, and miserable. You... (laughs) Oh, my God. Because California, if you got divorced, I'd be broke. You would um, be broke. <laughs> so did she purposely put a nail in the tire? See, that to me seems right. like a lot of work, too. It does seem like a lot of work. Yes. I mean, this is a very elaborate scheme. But what are the chances that you get a flat tire and it just happened to be the point when that leaking fuel line just happened to somehow magically catch fire? Right. And the whole thing burst into flames. Also, at the same time, he happened to be overdosed by sedatives. Yes. But he and was overdosing himself anyways. Yeah, but he wasn't basis. obviously made it in the car. She didn't put him in the car, right. passed out. That's what I mean. They got in the car and took it. Or he no took one the sedatives. Is, I'm sorry. No one's that unlucky. That's my outlook right. on life is when I hear people say all these things. Oh, this happened. This happened. It's like, is, there's no way you're that unlucky. Right. Well, these are the three scenarios. Yeah. I'm going with she at least started something. She may have not really thought it out, and then it started, and then she probably was like, oh, crap. Yeah. That's possible. But for all of those things to just spontaneously happen on their own, right. I'm I'm going to say no way. Okay. Yeah. But I, what do I know? I right. Just, I'm just sitting here. I don't know... I don't know. I really don't. I've driven cars with leaking fuel lines many, many times. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and go, oh, shoot. Good thing I didn't catch this thing on fire. It is possible. And I see cars on fire on the side of the roads all the time. Right. So it does happen. But for all those things to happen at once, very unlikely. Yeah. Well, Lucille was never charged with Elaine Hayton's death. It is believed that Elaine died from an overdose of sedatives since her autopsy revealed very high levels of sedatives in her system. She had been plagued by a chronic illness and might have even had a possible allergic reaction to something. Huh. Somebody had even said hairspray. (laughs) Really? Yes, that she might have been allergic to her new hairspray. Okay. Never heard of that before, but you know. But yeah, like I said, she had died with her face in a pillow. But Lucille had been taking care of her that day before she died. That's highly suspicious. Isn't that suspicious? Very suspicious. Oh, this is the part that gets me. Again, how could someone be that unlucky? Yes. It's not possible. Yeah. Arthwell Hayton went on to marry his children's governess not too long after Lucille was found guilty and sent to prison. All right. Yep. I wonder if that baby was Arthwell's. Yep. Or it was. I was going to say that. Or if it was Cork's. Because Cork took a lot of sedatives and barbiturates. And I believe that that affects your um, your sexual. I would imagine it does. I can't imagine that that helps. No, it doesn't help. It actually makes everything. They call him a downer. It, for a reason. Yeah, it makes something stay down. Yeah. For long amounts of time. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. my thought is, is that sweet baby actually Corks or was it Arthwell's? Huh. We'll never know. Uh, you ready for a fun fact? I am always ready. <laughs> fun fact. A woman by the name of Peggy Fisk was an undercover agent employed by the county sheriff's office. She was booked into jail under a false narcotics charge and placed 
in the same cell as Lucille. Her goal was to acquire information about the couple and the murder. Nice. Since Lucille's lawyer was adamant that she not speak to anyone without his knowledge, investigators were not able to get much from Lucille or catch her in a big lie. Like they weren't able to have that aha moment, you know? Oh, okay. Their case was basically built on circumstantial evidence. So they needed somebody in there to get almost like a confession. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, Peggy was her cellmate from the 9th to the 15th. She didn't get any damning evidence, but she did get some statements like, quote unquote, I did not love my husband, but I respected him. Okay. Okay. Another one. I will always love Arthwell. Oh, boy. Okay. Another one. I'm receiving over $100,000 in insurance because it was an accident. Okay. And then the final one. I'm moving to Europe with the kids when I get the money. Yeah. See? Yeah. I don't know. Peggy Fisk was even a witness for the prosecution. How would you like to have that job? Like, what do you do for a living? Right. (laughs) I actually go undercover and pretend to be a cellmate and try and get information out of someone that's already in jail or prison. That would be an interesting job. I guess you couldn't ever have that conversation because then that would kind of blow your cover. No, not until you're older and you can write your autobiography and make millions of dollars. That would be the coolest story when you say, oh, what did you do? Yeah. And you tell them, they're like, yeah, what? That's pretty cool. That would be cool. But she didn't get a lot. She spent a lot of time with her and didn't get very much. So, Daniel, what do you think of my case? That was fascinating. That was a good one, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Sad about the barbecue, but oh, that was fascinating. The barbecue of his body, right? Oh, okay. I was thinking, where? Well, actually, it's called a carbecue. Uh, um, but you know, <laughs> oh that's okay. Oh my gosh! So that's <laughs> not the best way to oh, go. Oh, you're a funny guy. Mm-hmm. I should. That's wrong. I'm, I apologize. I shouldn't I, have said that. Anyway, I, I apologize. Uh-huh. Um, it's like Larry the Cable Guy. Lord, I apologize. That's, yeah. Should not have said that. No. Anyway. All right. Well, uh, a lot of my sources were just articles. I happened to find uh, one of her appeals. So I got a lot of information from that. And there was actually a show, Deadly Women or something like that. I watched it. It was stupid. It was completely wrong. So don't watch it. Okay, I won't. (laughs) But her three remaining children, so the daughter and the two sons, the older ones, they are still alive and they kind of go back and forth between whether or not they think that their mom did it. But what they say all the time is that we just love our mom. We loved our mom. And the youngest daughter that was born, she actually died really young of cancer at the age of 25. Oh, no. Yeah. And she had had two kids and the older three children did not have any kids. And the oldest son became a dentist. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the two others were teachers. So, and her daughter, actually, I don't like saying kids' names because they didn't choose to be in the limelight. And even though they're older, if you really want to find out about their kids, just go look it up. It's super easy. Yeah. And her daughter wrote a wonderful essay about her mom in this case, and it was beautifully written. And they had a really hard childhood. Their parents were not the greatest of parents, 
But she did such a great job with this essay. So go check that out. And that's the end of the case. Okay. <laughs> Let's do our podcast re recommendation of the week. Okay. It's going to go to the quite unusual podcast. Nice. Yes. And I don't think you've listened to this one with me. I tend to listen to this one by myself. Okay. But I'm going to read to you what it's about. All right. I like the name. It reminds me of Beetlejuice. It's quite unusual. Yes. And I'm quite unusual. All right. Join best friends Nicole and Noelle in the haunted attic as they talk about all sorts of strange and unusual topics from history's most nefarious cults, local ghost stories, conspiracies, murder mysteries, paranormal activities, urban legends, UFO phenomena, and unexplained events. Nothing is off limits, but everything is unusual. So sit back, get weird with us, and remember to celebrate the strange and keep it unusual. So wait, they're doing it allegedly from an attic? Yeah, they're in, oh, they call it the haunted attic. And that actually, super cool. actually, um, they live together now in this house, I which want is a haunted awesome. Attic. I know, it's actually, it's really cool. I've seen pictures of it and... They call their cats their interns. Can we turn our attic into a haunted attic? We don't. We live in California. We don't have an attic. Yeah, there's an attic up there. There's, ba yeah, barely. I can put my fall clothes up there. That's okay. about it. Well. <laughs> if you want to turn the attic into a recording space, that would be amazing. I don't feel like it anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, they just did. I actually just finished today. They did a three-part episode on feral children, and it was fascinating. Wow. Absolutely fascinating. So go check them out. They're a lot of fun. Very dry and sarcastic, and I just get them. They're the, They're and my kind of people. They then. are, and I just want to hang out with them so bad. I'm not dry or sarcastic no, at all. No, not at all. But they're like 15 years younger than us, so, you know. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, so go check them out. All right, I will. All right, if you guys would be so kind, you can rate and review us and find us on Instagram at... Till death do us part podcast. Till death do us part podcast. <laughs> and I, don't, you, I still don't know what uh, Instagram is. This is your job. Your job is to say this at the end. Okay. <laughs> Instagram. And to, and to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. Yes, we've been getting some great reviews. Thank you so much. And we're getting stickers made. Get ready for those. If we've if we shouted you out and you're one of our 11 listeners, we will be someday, hopefully, sending you a sticker. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Because I learned that these younger generations love stickers. I like stickers. You like stickers? I'm not a big sticker person. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't realize that until our friend Christina the Millennial told me that we need to have stickers. We need stickers. <laughs> yes. All right. And... We've had a huge uptick in downloads. I don't know how people are finding us, to be honest. So if you've talked about us on a podcast or you've talked about us on social media or something like that, can you let us know? Because we would love to thank you. Yes. Because I don't know what's happening, but there's all these new people reaching out to us 
And it can't be just because of us. It, it has, Yeah, it can't be us. No, it has to be because other people are talking about us or something like that. So if you did any of those things, can you just let us know? We just, we are so thankful and we are so humbled by all these kind people. I know. And I just can't believe what's happening and we just thank you all so much. There is still kindness in this world. There, Oh, there is. There is. And I read it and I see it every single day. So thank yep. you for that. And we are on TikTok. And we are stupid and doing stupid things on TikTok. But I hope we're making you at least laugh. But that so. is kind of TikTok. Yeah, people are stupid on yeah. TikTok. Yeah, definitely. In a good sort of way. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you. And... Be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. Bye. Bye.